0: elegance she's grace she's in this united states what a what a great shatter performance what a, yeah I, it doesn't really utilize him until those the kind of the climax of the movie yeah. god when they pull him out does it use his money masterfully yeah. well the
1: introduction of the song where gracie definitely does not on the know yeah, yeah any mm-hmm. of this i am not part of this world i don't mm-hmm. know yeah. what's going on it's it's kind of brilliant yeah, very, very good. It's a good fun. time. Yeah, very good time. Hello, everybody. Welcome again to the Good Trash Honor cast. We gather around the table to discuss the films you'll never discuss in a film stays course. The Summer of Sandy continues with Volume Two, Sandra Bullock starring in Miss Congeniality. That's right. We're doing a Sandra Bullock marathon, and we're talking about that movie. I'm still Dustin. I'm still Arthur.
0: I am still Dalton.
1: And if you are tuning into the Good Trash Genre cast for the very first time, this is not a review show. Oh, no. This is an analysis you don't show. don't care
0: what three men think about Miss Congeniality on a is-it-good level? Uh, you don't m- give no. a shit
1: about that. What are they here for, Dustin? The, well, they're, they're here to find out if she wins or not. And we don't want them to tell them unless they've seen the movie. And that's why we're going to avoid spoilers for the first part of uh, the yes. show. I uh, yes. That's what they want to know if they haven't seen it. That's I,
0: why they found this podcast, was to figure out how, how Miss Congeniality or, ended. Or,
1: or whether or not Sandra Bullock wins miscongeniality. Congeniality.
0: <laughs> no, I was sort of alluding to what we're going to do when it's That's time the for the spoilers. That's what I assume they're here for.
1: Oh, they're, they're here for our analysis? Yeah, yeah, yeah I no, hope so. For our analysis? I mean, Maybe. In I this economy, it, hey, they're going to get, get analysis <laughs> from the him. three of us. They are going to get that. Um, they probably just like us. Probably not here to hear what we say about this. <laughs> That's fair. This or they're just Sandra Bullock Uber fans. Mm, mm, because we're not exactly the most qualified to be God discussing no. what we're doing. Absolutely not. But that being said,
2: you told me often about your multi-year run as a child pageant star, <laughs> Mister Oklahoma, Mister Oklahoma.
0: Do you guys? You guys haven't watched. Uh, I think you should leave. Right. There's no. a there, there's there's a recurring sketch in season 2 or idea there's like a- a sketch, two sketches that reference this idea of the little buff boy pageant or something like that. It's, just, it's exactly what it sounds like. You don't ever see them, but yeah, it's
1: yeah. Are, are, pageants are, are weird. Well, male yeah. there are male beauty pageants, and then there's like well, they're called bodybuilding well, contests. bodybuilding yeah. contests. But there, aren't there just like um, I don't know? I'm gonna find out handsome, right now while you're talking. Handsome doodly like just like to look like Clark I, Gable or I'm, whatever. I'm gonna go ahead and guess no. Like then there's like a tuxedo. I, I agree that there
0: should competition. Be. Yes, <laughs> they should wear board shorts in one event. And tuxedos in another. Yeah, yeah, and Have to do like, a talent. It should. There should be a himbo parade, the, the, and I, I don't I, think there is. There's
2: Man of the World.
1: Dun dun dun. Now,
2: okay. International Male Beauty Pageant, which began in 2017. So it's a very recent. Really, I'm
1: I'm a little surprised at this. I mean, obviously. You are- Mr. U- <laughs> Mr. Universe has always he been. thinks
2: we should live in a world where men don't be judged on their beauty
0: or looks. Uh, well, Only you know, women. <laughs> yeah. He, he, no. Dustin lives in a world where there's gender parity as far as judging people like cattle. Uh, well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I I admire Dustin's gender we, fair world.
1: We we should be douches to everyone. Yeah, so. yeah.
0: And then really open, and that's and then you should just have an open manhunt international. Ma- now, what's a manhunt international? they're out.
1: It's not The Bachelor. I don't know. There's not much in here. Oh, that's too bad. <sighs> Wikipedia, you fail us. Oh, I wait. Mean, here we go.
0: say, is it a pageant or is Man it a most Manhunt International
2: Game? is an international male beauty pageant, which began in 93.
0: Okay.
2: Though the roots of the pageant go back a few years more to when one single national preliminary was held in Singapore. The pageant was conceived by Metro Media Singapore and Procon Leisure International... The world's first, and without doubt the most prestigious of all pageants and competitions for men. Huh. Started life in eighty-eight. Eligibility: ages eighteen to thirty-five, single and ready to mingle, at least five foot eleven speak English wow, optional wow no
0: short no short kings <laughs> that is that's shameful
2: it's anti-Napoleon that's right bullshit <laughs> I hate
0: this <laughs> I'm mad about it, it
2: are you are you qualifying <laughs>
0: no I'm <five> nine, baby <laughs> me and Tom Hardy are both out and Tom Cruise is and on the sidelines that's right
1: Most are you in or out I'm out yeah. yeah I'm only five nine and a half. sorry guys yeah I guess well, I will represent also, a we're,
0: international. We're, we're all married also. We didn't neglect <laughs> like to mention that. Also, I'm quite a bit over 35. We're feistier about yeah. size rather than marital still, status. You're still under 35 though, right?
2: Am I? In? No. If you crested? 86. I was 35. Last year. You'll yeah. be
0: 37 this year. Or you turned 36 so, this year.
2: I turned 36 do you even know how old you are, man? No, once you no. once you cross
0: your into your 30s, you <laughs> don't really know how old you are. You have to think about it every time somebody asks you. I will be
2: 37 this year,
0: right? I think you'll be 36 this year. It's 2022 and you were born That's in 86. There right. it is. Yeah.
2: I'm eligible for four more months. Mu- there no. we go.
0: We gotta get you in this year's pageant.
1: Two more months. <laughs> we gotta get you in this pageant. <laughs> Uh,
2: okay anyway what are we,
0: what,
1: what, what are we hey I'm going to avoid spoilers <laughs> and this is how we're going to avoid those oh uh, okay now but, we got to
0: break the show up into sections this, so this, is, this is
1: how we got into the role here so we'll have a synopsis which will be spoiler free we'll do thumbs up thumbs down reviews for just a few minutes and those will be very very spoiler right because we're not really doing that anyway and then we're going to move into a little thing called expanding the syllabus which might have the gentlest of spoilers of this film or other films of silk and then finally we get down to business and that's when all bets are off and we were reveal who is everything who done it what happened where we'll
0: tell you what happens on the perfect date
1: happens to murphy brown everything uh we'll tell you all the things which was just a couple of weeks ago
0: it was uh quite delightfully uh when i was watching the movie it was much closer to that date and it
1: made Mm -hmm. me really happy so there you go listener. you have been warned without any further ado um professor arthur gordon can we hear please that synopsis a tomboy
2: FBI field officer is given a chance to prove herself when she goes undercover at an event that scares her worse than anything a beauty pageant.
0: That is what happens. Dun dun dun! Sandra Bullock producing. Big emphasis
2: on that. Yeah. I was kind of wondering about the history of that. I didn't look into it, though, because I'm Wasn't wondering what able, she became. There is
0: not a lot of production history that I was able to find. I'm sure, I'm sure it's out there. I'm
2: sure there's a DVD commentary floating around in the world. Yeah,
0: and that probably gives some good, some good peeks behind feel the curtain.
1: Very if you're listening of... to this
2: into the future, there used to be a thing called a commentary track <laughs> uh, that was released <laughs> alongside the film on what was called a DVD, a digital video disc that you would insert into a digital video disc player. To watch the movie. Yeah, unfortunately... Now I know you just immediately upload it to your brain to watch (laughs) Miss Congeniality. But uh, once upon a time, there were all these sorts of special features that... Studios really tried to emphasize so you would buy their product on home media.
1: Do you think there's a DVD commentary on a miscongeniality track on a DVD? hundred percent? This movie I came out going in the year to find out
0: This came out in the heyday of DVDs. There's no way there's not a commentary track. Or a lot of
2: behind the scenes ads yeah. or something. I
0: some, so. Well, I saw some behind the scenes stuff um, that's been ripped onto YouTube, but it looked like it was you know pretty. DVD. Uh, bare bones Give me that the behind DVD. the scenes stuff.
1: Well, as Arthur is looking that up, I do think this uh, movie does smack quite a bit of star tourism. The idea that the star is the chief mm-hmm. producing mm-hmm. Um, contributor artist behind a given film. And so, yeah. All like,
2: right. So there's a deluxe edition of the DVD. Sorry to interrupt. Uh, no. It features two commentary tracks. Whoa. Deuce, one with Sandra Bullock and executive producer Mark Lawrence, and okay. the other by director uh, Donald Petrie, uh, plus two seven-minute featurettes.
1: There you go. That is fascinating. Uh, I have nothing more to say two about commentaries. A I told different you different era, the heyday of A DVD, different era. And I tell you what, I missed that though. I do too.
0: 100%. Every movie was worth hearing what the people involved in making it had to say about it while they watched it. Every
2: movie. every movie. Well, I'm just curious because I just bought No Way Home, Spider Man
0: probably doesn't and it has
2: a bunch of special features but i don't know if it has commentary
1: tracks i
0: make sense a lot of the superhero movies still have a bunch of behind the scenes stuff
1: yeah well yeah well i mean thinking about the lord of the rings and there's like eight different commentary tracks on those well
0: yeah i mean when you talk about a movie like that that ends up having a big box set release right there's of course i mean the matrix got a bunch of uh, feature unless it's a david
1: lynch movie yeah, well, no, no
2: commentaries, no well, chapters. Of course not. Well, he doesn't want to give you anything.
0: Is there, what is, is there any sort of supplementals on a... I don't own any of his stuff there on There are.
1: So there's like uh, outtakes. Okay. Sometimes there's some interviews with um, some of the creative staff. Angelo Bandalamente will do some stuff, you know, on like, say, Blue Velvet. And, uh, and then sometimes there's a uh, sort of artistic sort of special feature as well where somebody else is sort of exploring the world of. And so there are, there are sometimes those kinds of gotcha. things but uh Lynch won't ever put his uh
0: yeah, new signature
1: that. on knew anything that's going to have commentary on meaning.
0: Well, Doug Petrie did put his stamp on this, and if you heard that that commentary track, hit us up. Uh, we would love to hear huh. what insights were gleaned from the miscongeniality commentary.
2: I went to the uh, the crown jewel of supplemental DVDs, uh, which is the Criterion, mm. uh, and neither Mulholland Drive nor Eraserhead have commentary tracks of Correct. any kind. Yeah. Yeah. See, it makes sense. Some there's no Lynch commentary, stuff, but
0: it'd be yeah. cool if there was somebody's commentary track, mm-hmm. which would be nice.
1: But but the thing about cr- uh, Criterion is they are sort of like uh, director endorsed Typically, is part yeah, part of yeah. their thing there, and you could release it without Lynch's endorsement, but you wouldn't be where you are in the definitive sort of yep. Criterion. We can uh, talk about him another yeah. time.
0: We're here to talk about Doug Petrie and Sandra Bullock's miscongeniality. We talk about Lynch. All the time. We don't need we that do. right now.
1: Um, so with that, let's move on then, and uh, let's give our thumbs up, thumbs and reviews. Has everybody seen it before? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. This this
0: was on heavy rotation for me growing up. My sister and I loved this movie.
1: Very cool. Well then, Dalton, you go.
0: Yeah, okay, I I'll go first. Uh, this movie did not hold up as well as I had hoped it would. <laughs> uh, it's very unfortunate. There's some there's some good bits. There there are some some good laughs, and, and there's some like real attempts to to acknowledge the issues of the day. But it is extremely the year 2000, which is to say it, it wears the stench of a assumed post-feminism very badly, and it is deeply homophobic in the way that basically everything from the early aughts is. Um, and it's just frustrating because I think there's there's moments where this movie is like is very genuinely sweet, it is really about like making friends and, and like coming to understand people you don't understand. Like I, I think that's a big part of what makes this movie work is its heart. Um, but it, it is full of sort of that, uh, I don't know if meanness is quite the right way to put it, but it's it's got that early aughts thing uh, of, of most of the jokes are punching down. Um, and, and again, outside of that, it's just, it's it's themes when it does try to touch on serious issues like sexual assault and eating disorders. Like, these are things that get touched on, but they are just sort of paid lip service too. Mm-hmm. And and. We, not you know they're made the butt of, well no a couple times are made the butt of jokes but both of these are issues that are again very kind of glossed over these are not core themes within the movie but it is weird that the movie wants to touch on these these very real issues but not really say anything about them uh, and again I feel like that's sort of everything uh, that that there is to say about this movie looking back on it you know over twenty years later is is it is sort of full of those kinds of problems of just never really being uh, about anything. Uh Ebert said uh, and I think this is a really fair assessment of the movie. Uh so back in the day Ebert writing for the uh, Chicago Sun Times wrote, it isn't bad so much as it lacks any ambition to be <clears throat> more than it so obviously is. Um and then of course he yeah, had praise for Sanders' performance, which yeah, that's that's pretty much how I feel about it. It it is not trying to be anything other than what it is and I guess that's fine. But uh there there's enough good movie here that you it makes me want something a little bit more ambitious. It makes me want jokes that hit a little bit harder. It makes me want um, stakes that feel a little bit bigger. It makes me want uh, the, the action beats to be either more uh, cinematically engaging or or funnier or both. You can be, you know, and it's sort of this action comedy milieu. You can do any combination of, of those things. The action can be action or it can be comedy or it can be both. And here it's not really any of those things. It just kind of is. And that, that is a big problem uh, with the movie for me. Um, as discussed last week, though, Sandra Bullock can carry a damn motion picture. Uh, you know, she mm-hmm. just can. And that's all there is to it. Uh, and that's, I think, between the net and this movie, those that's going to be probably, I hope, I don't know what else we'll be discussing in this marathon. I've, I've chosen to remain oblivious uh to what the programming well sometimes i ask you (laughs) and you'll tell me i've opted to not ask arthur for for the coming week's assignments um but between these two movies both of which i don't really care for her star power is undeniable and that she's able to take kind of whatever films and and really make them engaging um just a pratfall machine truly just uh and I, that is something that i know from uh, my research I, that i was doing on the the uh production that was one thing i was able to find out is she uh you know working with one of the two screenwriters that are credited um i think this is the, some the person that was kind of doing rewrites up to the day um or you know on set uh mark something or other i'll get his name in here in a second but she she mentioned uh working with him and him knowing that uh she likes to do falls and stuff. Mm-hmm. So they worked a lot more of that into the script because of it, it being sort of a calling card for Sandra Bullock. Um, Mark Lawrence is, is the other writer. Uh, Katie Ford is the other uh, written by credit um, as well as Karen Lucas. But uh, it sounded like Mark Lawrence from what I was watching was the last writer to have fingerprints on it. Um, so anyway, you know, it's just interesting so far and so far as that it's, you know, Sandra Bullock turning into, kind of the producer the star as auteur as Dustin mentioned you know this is sort of heavy hitter phase of her career where she's able to be a producer able to uh, which you know is not uncommon for movies that she's in these days right I think on The Heat she's a producer which we talked about a few months back yeah um, I think on the blind side she's a producer. I think in a lot of her later, I'm films, assuming Bird Box. I think she's yeah. a producer. I th- most of her later work, I know she she's involved in a production capacity, and it makes it makes sense. Especially this movie's a huge, just gargantuan hit, and that I think that kind of colors my my feedback of it. You know, if this was sort of a maligned at the time movie, I might be a little bit more forgiving But because it was such a huge hit. It, it does kind of make me like not. It, it makes the the ways in which it's aged poorly feel even worse to me just because I know it was such a big cultural touchstone for so long mm-hmm. um that's sort of where I'm at with it uh Arthur, what about you where Where are you at with this one
2: uh you know i I haven't seen it in a long time um
0: yeah, it's probably it's been decade plus for me I mean yeah
2: uh but uh i I think it just it, again, Sandra Bullock is just so good, yeah, she's at, great. At doing what she, she is very versatile as a performer. Uh, we'll kind of see that, I think, throughout the next couple of weeks. But action, comedy, confident, naive, insecure—like she can just land all of it. Yeah, I mean, just phenomenal at what she does. And you know, I don't know. We we, we talk about this, I think, some, but when you know, I think we talk to a lot of actors. Most of them are to say comedy is tougher than drama.
0: I feel like in yeah, a lot of well, ways. especially actors who are noted for doing both get asked that question all the time. Yeah. I feel like that is the common answer you get. Is yeah, that comedy is harder
2: because not everybody has timing, not everybody can land a line. It's a different kind of charisma. Yeah, and I, you know, she she has it and she can do it, and and that coupled with this ensemble of Michael Caine and uh, William Shatner, these uh, ladies they put together as the contestants. Especially, we only get like really focused in on three or four. We get Rhode, yeah, Island, Rhode, Texas, Rhode Island. Who and,
0: is? So funny!
2: Yeah, she's great. She's she's got some killer lines.
0: I mean, just like lights out, giving yeah. one of the best performances in yeah. the movie.
2: Um, and I, I think it's you know there are some stone cold zingers in this movie. I, I laugh a lot. Uh, the little character stuff of, of Gracie Hart, the little snort when she laughs, those moments. I, I mean, pretty good. Yeah, I, I think that all works really well for me. Uh, I'm probably I'm warmer on it than Dalton based off of Letterbox Reviews. Uh, it's not the the best comedy in the world. But I think it just has so much heart, so much earnesty, and that uh, just turn from from Bullock and everything that works about it really is, I think, wrapped up in those three and her, Shane, sure. Shatner, and their moments, and those other ensembles. I laugh a lot. I enjoy it quite a bit.
0: It uh, did make me want to rewatch *Miss Congeniality* too. *Armed and
1: Fabulous*.
2: You do not want to do that. I, yeah, do I don't. That this week you, as you well. Did that yeah. drastically worse movie. Really? <laughs> oh, uh, <laughs> oh, too bad. It's looked like they uh, they watched *Miss Congeniality* and didn't understand anything about it that worked and doubled down on those That's facets.
0: I know, uh, I remember liking Regina King in it a lot. She's probably, I mean, yeah, she's a shining star. And the takes... It's, it's
2: weird that they, you know, like, what worked in the first one? Mm-hmm. Oh, a gay sidekick, Dietrich Brader, what are you up to? Oh, sure. And Cumby suit, you know, Kane's performance is obviously flamboyant, but...
0: He's, it's, you could. Kane's not doing anything that feels gross. Yeah, yeah he, right. It but doesn't Brader feel like it feels like he's
2: crossing that line a little. In know, the caricature. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Affectation, yeah. dress. It feels so stereotypical. Other than
1: calling Benjamin Bratt Muffin, that was, yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah. Which is pretty funny.
2: Um, So it, it just kind of does that kind of stuff. And, and yeah. it really, you know, I think the thing that works so well about the first one is Gracie as fish out of water gotcha. trying to adjust to this world. And they, set that up a bit in the sequel where she is going to be the new face of the FBI, but obviously she hasn't got this experience as a spokesperson mm-hmm. or, you know, personal person in that way. Uh and then they just skip all that. And and it's like ten months later she's been on this for a while. So it really loses a lot of those elements I think that make the first one so fun. Interesting. Uh so I think it's a much worse film in that regard, easily forgettable um compared to this. So I I, I like it. I really don't know really much else to say i mean i think it's a very standard comedy uh that's elevated by its lead performance and some of the support cast and uh i mean kane and shatner just get some just and cheryl miss rhode island just get some knockout moments
0: you notice we haven't mentioned benjamin bratt much lately uh, or at all nobody uh, has actually in hollywood (laughs) which is too bad i do like (laughs) benjamin bratt (laughs) I do like Benjamin Bratt. We have not mentioned him in this movie because his character—he I mean, gets all of three minutes in Doctor Strange. <laughs> that's true, and he's good in those three minutes.
2: He's really good. Uh, well, we'll probably come back to why we're not talking about Benjamin Bratt later. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. he does what he's
0: asked to do. Yeah, but it's I unfortunate think what he's asked to do.
2: Yeah, I think that's the issue. I mean, this, yeah. this comedy, as you've mentioned, has not aged well in its content. Uh, but it's it's fun it's it's a lot of laughs and i enjoy it quite a bit
1: well there you go thank you very much for that mr Arthur gordon um i also think it is funny but has not aged well yes it is of its time it feels very 90s and all of as we've already mentioned misogyny homophobia that kind of stuff is all over but that being said Great Sandra Bully performance. Yeah. Uh, great Michael Caine performance. We've already said this. Candace Bergman. Berg, 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 Yeah. Bur- Murphy Brown uh, is <laughs> wonderful. She's great in her particular role. Um, and I, yeah, I, so I, there's a lot to enjoy about. I like Ernie Hudson. Just he's, he's got nothing to do, he, he, but giving we, a very good "Give me your badge" performance. Yeah, but yeah, with nothing to do. Now, nothing we you get do. a little
2: more Hudson in the sequel, but not much. But nah. that's a shame because he is a lot of fun. He's when we see him.
1: But uh, I enjoy. But I tell you what, that moment where he says, "And I'm the best we've got." <laughs> that's pretty that, good. That's, that mean, lands. Yeah, it absolutely lands. That you does know, land. he, <laughs> that's the problem with this
0: movie, though, is like there are this. It has the thing that I forget so often how many studio comedies have this problem. Which is that it doesn't have any jokes, right? Like you forget how many studio comedies are just like pratfall machines, mm-hmm. and like don't really have patter, don't really have any anything resembling setup or punchlines. No, right. no, no, like, it, it, and you know when we get so hyped up on something like Game Night, which is a comedy that I feel like Arthur and I both mention fairly often, as far as like being a comedy that's visually inventive is like visually funny. You don't really get much of that here, which is I don't know frustrating for me.
1: Yeah, I mean it, the situation is what's funny, yes. and and watching these people who are charismatic in the situation is what's enjoyable, and so yeah, that all works. I do love all the supporting cast. Uh, we we've uh, the the various other Miss States. They are all named as such in the credits.
0: They are just their state names. Yeah. 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 Wild credits.
1: Well, I mean, they're probably given a name at one point, but yeah, th- they they're are. never ever described. Or somebody
0: has done the due diligence on IMDb to go ahead and do character name. Yeah, Cheryl, quotes Rhode Island. Rhode Island. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. Somebody's doing do, doing the Lord's work over on IMDb. <laughs> good job.
1: But yeah, I think they're all solid too. I mean, yeah. I think they're all okay. doing a very very good job. I mean, there is an acting moment where uh, Texas has to act like she's supposed to act like she's happy and doesn't quite know how to do that. I mean, it really is absolutely believable like I'm, you know, yeah. myth that I lost. Yeah. Yeah, we've seen those
2: Oscar reactions, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, and
1: and, and she, she absolutely nails that. And uh, again for a thankless, you know, tertiary if that uh kind of role. So I think everybody's doing their work there. Hmm. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of jokes that are just yuck and there's a lot of there's a lot of ick uh, is what I would say. But that being said, still it's a pretty fun little movie. You know, there's still little lines. It's quotable. Eyebrows. There should be two. It's just funny. It's good. You think I'm good. You wanna kiss, kiss me? me? Yeah, it's good. It's yeah, yeah, funny. Yeah, it is. But is it a joke? No, it's not no, a joke. No, it's
0: just Sandra Bullock being really charming. Right. Yeah, right, exactly.
1: Man. And so there you go. Those were our thoughts to your listener. They're generally pro with um, some nuance. I think my favorite bit is that Cheryl, who has,
2: throughout the movie, shown lack of intelligence gets uh introduced as a major in like, like biology and, it's such it's
0: a, such that, a that good is one good of the joke. best jokes in the movie is the payoff that she's like a nuclear physicist <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah awesome cheryl has
1: layers cheryl is an ogre baby
0: <laughs> and satan's panties and satan's
1: panties oh god that's so good you can steal underwear and stay up all a full night you're really, a wild woman That's a really good joke. Um, can i
0: I I I think we've discussed not liking AO Scott before. I'm mm-hmm. sure some one of us has been, I don't I don't really care for him. He's fine. Uh I want to read something and I never I can't believe I'm reading uh, AO Scott review like snippet and going, "Yeah, I'm with you on this one, man." Uh seems happily deliberately second rate as if its ideal audience consisted of weary airline passengers. <laughs> 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 man, This is an airplane movie for sure, yeah. but
1: that is yeah. like that's <laughs> brutal yeah. It's it's a four quadrant. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah,
2: absolutely. Hey, it knew who its audience was, and it paid off. It did. Uh,
0: a couple hundred million dollars. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It made paid off. some
1: money for sure. All right. Well, with that, let's move on to the next exercise of our show, which is a little thing we like to call expand the Syllabus. Arthur, can you explain that to the dear listener at home? Expanding the syllabus is a thought experiment
2: wherein we, the hosts, assemble an academic course or module within a course based around the assigned viewing for the week and adjacent text. That could be books, that could be movies, that could be articles, that could be tangentially related films and stories to help us flesh out our themes.
1: There you go. Thank you very much for that, Arthur. You've revised that, haven't you? That's good. I just had right. a little tag at the yeah. end. I ad-libbed that. That you, was a little riff. That was you, a little improv. You, did you do that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You give, a, give some nuts for that. Well, hey, um, Dalton, what's your syllabus looking like? So this is probably going to be, I don't know, this is one of
0: those. Class. I feel like so often I have a class where I'm like, this could be either a film studies class or the, the themes of the films that we want to talk about. So this could be a gender study class or it could be a film class or, you know, maybe one of both. But uh, the, the idea of it is uh, fitting into the feminine and looking at films uh, where this sort of these ideas of womanhood, these ideas of femininity are... Not necessarily, well, are challenged, are are shown to be kind of a facade or fraud. Uh, and, you know, we, we have women in different time periods and different situations having to navigate their their given circumstances and and what their given time and places take on womanhood supposed to look like so we look at something like uh i tanya which i think pairs really well with this film as far as like a fish out of water you know uh, tanya harding's working class girl going into the the world of hyper competitive figure skating which is decidedly not working class Um, i think that's such an interesting movie Uh, again you know you could maybe make the argument that it is to to absolves tanya um i don't know you can make that argument and i i wouldn't necessarily disagree with you but i'm i you know it's hard to watch that movie and end up on tanya's side a little bit um but i think a really interesting movie that pairs well with this one um i also think uh, something like gone girl uh de- deconstructing the idea of the cool girl uh mm-hmm. fits really well with this because that is what gracie hart ends up becoming is sort of a a cool girl that uh, benjamin brad gets rewarded with unfortunately uh, it's, it's, yeah, again, the pla this movie does things that we're going to talk about in a little bit that are just kind of icky. Uh, but I, I think Gone Girl kind of interrogates that well. I think the favorite, the Yorgos Lanthimos film, I think does a really good job of looking at like feminine friendship, female friendship, and like feminine ideals. I, I think there's a lot of really interesting gender stuff going on in that movie for sure. Um, Similarly, Black Swan, this sort of idea of women being pitted against each other by a, a larger patriarchal society, um, and The Little Women, uh, the um, Greta Gerwig one, just because that's the version I'm most familiar with, but I think that film is really good. Uh, and again, a, a story that has resonated for you know hundreds, hundred years plus now, because it does such a astute job of kind of um, noting what it's like to navigate a quote unquote man's world uh, and, and how to do that when. You're not what the world says you need to be, uh, and and how does that impact the relationships with people around you? Uh, I think last but certainly not least, I want to highlight uh, a, a a favorite of ours here at the Good Trash Honorcast, "Girlhood," uh, a film that we all like a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, that we discussed several years ago at this point, but uh, again, I th- I think a film that's really useful anytime you want to look at what does it mean to grow up in the world uh, as a, a female person? Um, I, I think that film is just so strong as far as kind of navigating uh, those dynamics and those ideas and those themes. Um, so that, that's that's the class, again, looking at the ways in which this, this sort of larger societal structures uh, are sort of larger, you know, uh societal tendencies towards patriarchy and how that uh, influences what it means to be a woman in the world. And and looking at, you know, I, th- I think I've done a class similar to this before, but this one definitely is going to be focused more on these sort of like bending yourself to fit into an archetype that might not necessarily be authentic to you. Mm-hmm. Sort of, and then there's definitely films that I've I've neglected to mention that I'm, I'm sure that would fit into this category very nicely. Uh, Arthur, how would how would you use this to in, in a classroom setting? I think this would
2: just be a singular class period in a module, maybe in a genre study uh, in comedy, talking about comedies. I, I want to talk about the fish out of water, though. I, I, I think nice. when executed, that's a really fun joke. I mean, it naturally sets up a number of comic opportunities just by the very nature of what it's doing. Um, And so I think that's what I would focus on. And I don't know if we'd watch these movies in full or maybe just look at clips. Um, But I want to pull some of these and think about the ways in which they're playing with the idea of the fish out of water. Uh, Standardly, this trope takes a person and then puts them into an environment uh, which they are not at all familiar or comfortable in Mm -hmm. as IE Gracie Hart going into the beauty pageant, of this tomboy uh, roughneck girl (laughs) uh, getting put into uh, what she deems, uh, I think, one of the le- le- levels of hell uh, mm-hmm. in the Inferno. So uh, I, I want to start here, I think, with Crocodile Dundee, uh, a movie we talked about a long time ago on the show, oh uh, one God, that's pretty that's near right. and dear to my heart. Um, but I, I really like what this does with it because it sets it up in two ways. Crikey. Um,
0: that's so because nice, we have
2: our main uh, journalist character who goes to Australia to meet Mick Dundee, uh, where she is the fish out of water yeah. and is not Aware of how to survive in these elements uh, with Mick, who is kind of navigating the outback with her. Then, when she takes him to New York, he gets to become the fish out of water uh, in the big city, which I think is a really fun way to play with that trope to take two different characters. Having them both be in it. Yeah. yeah, And really develop kind of two different movies around that within one film. Uh, as a fun process, and I like the way that it plays out. And I think some just great situational moments arise there. Uh, From there, I want to look at Some Like It Hot. Um, Billy Wilder. Uh, Marilyn Monroe, Jack Lemmon, and Tony Curtis. Tony Curtis is yes, um, correct. Um, there uh, who uh, go on the run uh, from some bad guys, uh, wind up in drag, uh, touring uh, with a, a group of singers. Who
0: among us? Who? Who? Whom among us?
2: Um, we we have all been there. Yeah, and, and so it sets up a number of great gags and jokes. Uh, but I think what it does in a really interesting way is uses that fish out of water element to, I think, highlight a different... I guess culture, but you know, the the way the world operates for women that mm. maybe men don't see or understand. Mm. So it kind of points out these societal issues in a way through the lens of following these two goofy guys who've got themselves in this huge mess. Uh, but it allows us to kind of open up a worldview, I think in some unique ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's a really clever use of that trope to do that, to allow us to be introduced into a different world and possibly look at or reflect issues within that society uh, that we may not realize uh, right away from an outside perspective. I want to look at Pleasantville. Oh um, yeah. Hell yeah. Which uh, throws uh modern day Reese Witherspoon and then Toby McGuire into a 1950s uh, sitcom. And I think as a fish out of water here, what typically happens, uh, we usually see the fish uh, titular fish out of water, sort of integrate with society and come to understand society they grow lungs but in pleasantville uh they uh corrupt uh or better
0: or dra- enlighten yeah dr- drag them kicking and screaming yes. into enlightenment yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> which i
2: think is a, a again another unique way to play with that trope Absolutely. and really uh you know it, it would be like Mick Dundee coming across and i don't know getting everybody to wear leather jackets and hunt alligators (laughs) in the streets of New York swamps or or sewers or something. We have alligators in the sewers. I know. They're just down there in the Muck in the mire.
0: We haven't gotten to Pleasantville on the show, right? We have not. Uh, we have not. I mean, that's. We'll get to that someday. Yeah, we got to. That's, that's, yeah, a, that's a very us. That's, a that's yeah. an us movie for sure. Um,
2: so, I, I, again, I'm just looking at these because I think they, they really play with that trope in, in unique ways. Finally, I, I want to end uh, Somewhere Fun with the Lego movie. Yeah. And this almost came up a couple of weeks ago when we did something. I don't remember. Uh, I think it was last week we did The Net because mm. I almost did a wrong man thing. Mm. Um, gotcha. Because I think that plays with that trope in some ways. Uh, I think... Ne- in many ways, the wrong man is almost a fish-out-of-water type of story. Typically just couldn't uh, Because he's
1: stuck in a world of mystery and yep. intrigue, whether a spy or criminal or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and so I think it takes some of those ideas and
2: applies them here. Uh, and I like that, you know, the chosen master builder, Emmett, is really just always ordinary, everyday Emmett, you know? And, and there is no, like... Special heroic call on him. He is just wrong place at the wrong time, um, but he is constantly mis, uh, mis- mistaken for uh, this master builder prophesied from uh, beyond to to save the world. And so I think again, just looking at that, looking at these movies. Again, probably just in one or two classes To really kind of flesh out this idea This trope of the fish out of water And how that operates typically in comedy uh, yes. To create those comic moments of tension and unexpectedness
1: Very cool, very cool I like that very much, Mr. Arthur Gordon I would use this film in a course I already do teach As an assignment It's yeah. Cheating. Yeah. Uh, cheating I agree
2: Back to the drawing board <laughs>
1: No, but I what I I think this is worth talking yeah. about because there there's <laughs> just yeah Peter roast Punk. his ass okay get him arthur there is a great little essay uh so i teach a visual rhetoric course okay the way in which we visualize others identification with others and part of this is engaged with that idea of the male gaze and how it fractures and fragments the female body
2: i thought you were going to use this in your christian mystics class i'm oh, sorry
1: <laughs> no i am not
0: um Gah, no. we would love to show go back in time and show some christian mystics like, the, one Teresa, and two.
1: the uh the Statue of Truth of law <laughs> next to Miss <laughs> Crazy heart. Yeah, that numb. No. Anyway, in visual rhetoric, though, uh, in the textbook that we use in that class, there's an essay by uh, Don Blakesley called Defining Film Rhetoric the, uh, the Case of Alfred Hitchcock's Vertigo and the Use of the Camera to Identify with a Particular Character, to identify with that particular gaze, and the idea of looking at others and to, again, look at others as objects or as subjects. And those kinds of questions. And there's a couple moments like that in this film. Uh, the, the, the looking at Sandra Bullock, we, we sort of avoid looking at her throughout the first third of the movie while she is a Gracie Hart before she becomes Gracie Lou Freebush. <laughs> and um, which is...
0: Uh, it got a laugh out of me like 80% of the time. Yeah, that, is, <laughs> that did that, it's a that great didn't work on me,
1: unfortunately. <laughs> but but in terms of lighting, um, you know, there's a couple times in there where you almost always see Sandra in the medium-long shot. You know, the mm-hmm. knees up, the plan American, uh, the French called up. Uh, and that, that, that shot that is just sort of like, she's there, we're doing a sitcom kind of uh, camera studio um, setup gotcha. for that. Uh, the lighting is not romantic in any sense. It's not harsh, but it's, it's just sort of there. Kind of flat. and flat for for sure and then i uh, will particularly the uh the time when she walks out of the air, pl- air hangar, um, having been all dolled up with gel in her hair. Going and,
0: Mustang Sally mode.
1: Yeah, and uh, we are positioned in such a way that we see the looking of Benjamin Bratt, and then we look as he looks. Mm-hmm. And we still end up in a medium-long shot, but the medium-long shot begins low, moving it with a pan coming up to high. And the same kind of looking and identification, objectification, and fragmenting of the body. And so I would use this film alongside a couple other films in an assignment that I've already created before in which i would have students look at these themes of identification that we see in vertigo as scotty is reconstructing uh judy as madeline even though judy already is madeline spoilers on a 1958 film but whatever uh and so that would be an example of one of the movies that i would use uh alongside say oh rear window alongside uh she's all that Nice And uh, alongside Phoenix, uh, a German film that I've yet to get to, but uh, nobody wrote about it. They were all scared of it. And then um, also, finally, uh, bringing back Michael Caine, The Prestige, where it's all about Mm -hmm. how we're not looking Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. where we're not looking in the right places. And uh, thinking about that different kind of identification that's going on there uh, with the particular um, twisty... Bit of that particular film, so i'm uh, trying to be spoiler gentle here so ah, who cares um there's there's lots of Christians bail. There's, yeah, there's Christian's Bale. There's many Christian's Bale. And Hugh,
0: and Hughes Jackman as there, well. There,
1: there, it turns out there will end up being multiple Hughes Jackman. There's, there are far less Christian's Bale than, than Hughes, Hughes Jackman. Jackman. Yeah, uh, But <laughs> no We were having a lot of fun there. <laughs> <laughs> enough said about that. But I, I, that idea of the look and identification and sure. how th- we are moved as an audience to look in a certain way, to look at characters in a certain way. And the idea of that uh, male gaze. So probably Laura Mulvey's visual pra- pleasures in the narrative cinema may also... Uh, play a role as well. But those are my thoughts, and thank you, gentlemen, for your thoughts on expanding the syllabus. I believe now it is time for us to get down to business.
0: That's right. This is what you have all come for. This is this is the part of the show where we talk about what it's about. Yeah. What is this movie about? As it's, it's about how ponytails make you ugly. Ladies, get that hair out of a ponytail. This 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 is one of the first comments uh, we're watching this. Uh, Becca goes every movie, every, every movie, movie. It's a hair up in a ponytail. It's like I know, I agree. The, the, it is the well, lack you know funny. of lip gloss.
2: So the final shot of the sequel. Gracie meets a student early in that film and yes. the student invites her to come speak at her school. Gracie blows her off. Well, we round back to that. So she goes to school to talk to the kid and do her book presentation or whatever.
0: The Take, uh, the YouTube channel, covers is they have a, a, a really good miscongeniality Congeniality video sort yeah. of gets into the mixed messaging this film has. Yeah. And they highlight that moment from the sequel where it yeah. is about like, no, you don't need to change yourself actually. Yeah. You, where you, she, you she, are... has, she has
2: the young girl take down her ponytail and yeah. pins out of her hair to show her true self. Somehow hiding her face. I feel like having the ponytail and pins and made her a little more
1: obscure of the face. Yeah. Yeah,
2: it was weird. But anyway, it is kind of a fun circular moment to your point, like, yeah, no, ponytails are ugly. Sorry. Yeah, it's so weird. Sorry and she's all that.
0: Well, and if that's, you know, my, my favorite one, mm-hmm. uh, the the infamous uh, Not Another Teen Movie, uh, mm-hmm. which has got the best joke about this, which is, uh, not Janie Briggs, she's got glasses and a ponytail. <laughs> and they decide who she's going to, they're going to she's all that. Yep. Uh but the, yeah, I mean, this is such a, a tired and, and well-worn trope that it's it, it's almost not even worth mentioning, but it, it is funny how you can set your watch to it. If some if somebody is going to go get glammed up in a movie, you better believe they're going to start in a ponytail. Mm-hmm. I guess except in Princess Diaries, Anne Hathaway just has like untamed hair. She's just
2: real schlubby. Yeah, yeah, yeah she's yeah, yeah. no, no ponytail, but unkempt, yeah. Yeah. Um you know it's funny I mean, and still like uh, what Netflix just remade She's All That and as He's All That oh yeah that's right where they have to fix the the guy uh, and he's just like some punk rock looking dude you know who's just kind of edgy like so oh, already hot is what yeah, you're yeah, saying yeah, yeah. breakfast 100%. clubs in, yeah. right. <laughs> like where's the guy that looks like me he's like overweight not athletically gifted wild hair like where are we at here guys yeah like Let's make this like... It's, it's like a 30-minute
1: montage of some fat guy doing sit-ups. I mean, there is a certain believability challenge that goes on with this, because we all know that Sandra Bullock is Sandra Bullock. Yeah. And so we know Gracie that she's... Gracie Hart is already cute. Yeah, like, yeah. It's very like, very
0: attractive. It just, yeah, what, she doesn't tweeze her eyebrows. that The... I don't know if they had Sandra grow out her eyebrows or if they've got like an eyebrow merkin going
1: on, but it works it, like the, the it's an eyebrow toupee. Yeah, that she wears. yeah, it is.
2: That's funny.
0: Yeah, it's a very weird setup that they've got going on in this movie, but it does work. Uh,
1: sorry, Dustin. <laughs> it's fine. Um, but I was thinking about the earlier bit where we were first introduced to Gracie Hart as an FBI agent, Mm -hmm. where she moves to disobey orders to save a human being's life from choking on a peanut. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's sort of done as, you know, your your heart gets in the way and you endangered other officers and somebody gets shot. But, I mean, this, you know, sort of cinematic construction of the event is such that it is her acting in a sort of... Again, an essentialist kind of reading here, and I'm aware of that as I do it. But she does act in a way... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? mm mm-hmm. Um, she 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 acts in a maternal sort of save somebody's life kind of way. Well, but it's
0: also she it's couched in like you don't you don't get off you that don't easy. get off that
1: easy. But yeah, but still, it, it's one of those. I made a judgment call to save somebody's life, yeah. you know, as opposed to sort of a cold, heartless FBI guy let the guy just lay there and die. Gotcha, you know, yeah. kind of thing. Right? That is what she's in trouble for. Uh, yeah, you know, And then there's a certain you know she refuses to be quite as cold and calculating. So she's she's one of the boys, but she's never quite as good as one of the boys
0: yeah um, yeah
1: and i yeah I just want to sort of begin by saying that this 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 film doesn't know what it's doing that that that's where I was going to come with it is that there's there's a way in which that feminizes and yet that's part of her problem hmm. is that hmm. you know, we're gonna see you as one of the guys, but not really as one of the guys, and we're gonna look down on you because you're too much like one of the guys at times, but she can't be one of the girls because she's too masculine right yeah and and so yeah they can't win for losing yeah and again this is the setup for women in in the workplace and i think you're
0: right i think this movie does see it the 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 problem this this problem the societal issue like well enough to do that right Mm -hmm. just to kind of illustrate the double standard as far as like how she's she's losing from two different sides, uh, as you've articulated, yeah, uh, yeah, I think the movie gets that. I think you're right.
1: So I mean, that's at least a, at some level, at some level, right. So that that's a point that's you know a little bit better, you know. There, uh, moving on into the proper sort of world of the beauty pageant, uh, it does seem that the movie is trying to rehabilitate again the sort of the bimbo image sure. of mm-hmm. of the beauty pageant contestant.
0: Yeah, I mean, a big part of the movie is is Gracie learning that there is like nuance and humanity to all these people that she's looking down on. Yeah. Right?
1: Yeah. And
0: and uh, that is, like, one of the more effective themes that the movie has, again, is is her getting to know these people and, and getting to know these other women and becoming friends with them. Uh, and it, that works, more or less. Like, uh, the stuff with her and Cheryl, Mr. Rhode Island, like, that is all really compelling yeah. and, like, well-acted and, and fairly well-written. Again, it is kind of clumsy in the way it, it addresses... Very real, you know, issues of eating the, disorders and the sexual, sexual assault. assault. Yeah. yeah, well,
1: and, and but the the lesbian Miss New York. Yeah, right?
0: yeah, and and it kind of pays lip service to all these issues, and uh, it just it feels clunky mm-hmm. every time it tries to like have an issues moment, um, especially the eating the the she's the, the throwing it all up later. just Oof. Yeah, Oof. that's that's a rough one.
2: It, it's interesting that uh, you know it, it, it does highlight the depth of the people involved with pageantry, but Mm. still seems to find pageants themselves to be very superfluous and surface level Mm. with the, the, the repeated world peace thing. Like there are just things that people want to hear. Like there's not a lot of depth to the actual pageants themselves. Like the pageant doesn't add value to anyone or anything. It's kind of there's hard. a lot of hard yeah. work that goes into this mostly superfluous event activity.
1: Well, I mean, that's where you're trying to... I mean, again, this is where I think the difficulty the film has is, is trying to humanize people who are participating in a fundamentally dehumanizing act and a, an exploited act. And so we're, we're sort of trying to identify hey, with these hey, characters. Hey, it's a
0: scholarship program. <laughs> All right. It's a scholarship
1: program.
0: <laughs> Very funny that she gets to bring that line back around to mm-hmm. Candace Bergen. But you're right that the movie... Is it it feels like it's across with itself so many times because it can't quite navigate this sort of central issue with pageants, right? And it can't figure out is this superfluous or is this like a, a real like legitimate scholarship? Yeah. Is is this a, is this a real legitimate use of people's time and people's resources or is it superfluous and is it you know a gross display of, of patriarchy?
1: Well, and, and, and I mean, a thing can walk and chew gum at the same time.
0: It can, yeah, it can be both. It can yeah. be it can be all of these things and more, right? And I yeah. think the film has such a has a hard time dealing with that nuance because it, I, I think that's again this this take episode or this take video is really good um, as far as uh, illustrating that the multiple times this movie does kind of have mixed messaging on, on multiple fronts. Like it's it's not just yeah. one issue. This movie's yeah. got multiple issues where it's like. The, the person in the control booth who's like, y- can we say lesbians on TV? You got a problem with that? Like it's it's both like
1: It's a good it's bit. It's a
0: pretty good bit, but it is also like kind of it, it's as good as a joke. It's as good as a piece of like queer adjacent comedy can be in two
1: thousand without being homophobic, right? right. It's yeah.
0: So and it's so on the line still. Like it's mm-hmm. yeah. it's
1: because the 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 easier to more palatable joke is where oh hello from Michael Caine and Benjamin Bratt runs away. Yeah. Right, yeah, you know, that's the easier joke. Yeah, that's a much easier joke. It's like I got to bees, you yeah. know, somewhere. And they do it yeah. like what two or three times. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, should we talk about Benjamin Bratt? Since you just mentioned him, or do we have anything oh, else I we want to say can... about the mixed messaging of like are pageants, good or bad? We didn't. Gonna... We
1: we can we can talk about ninety
2: percent of the film's problematic material comes through and channeled by Benjamin Bratt. Can't
0: stop hitting on women. Every woman he interacts with in this movie, he hits on. Uh, sexually, uh, harasses damn near assault. Well, yeah, no. Sexually assaults his coworker. uh, you could say, uh, in, a, in a bit of like workout banter. Fucked yep. up, man. Weird. Just a weird scene that does not play 20 years later.
1: Yeah. Uh, that scene is strange because it does feel like there's a weird, there's a different spirit to it than what it actually is, right? It's supposed to be a comedy bit. Yeah, if there's it's not supposed bit, to be like sexual the, tension. We fight. This is a thing we do. Yeah. You know, like we, we do judo or whatever yeah. and talk about what we talk about. But it is... yeah
0: it's just it's just (laughs) a total yeah misread tonally Mm -hmm. the movie and that's sort of the problem with benjamin bratt's character is he it's trying to do a will they won't they thing which is you know classic uh that's just you know that's uh storytelling 101 that's good shit but the the chemistry is just off like one of them is too mean and that is something that happens with will they won't they romances. sometimes it's just like the the dynamic is off in such a way that it just makes no sense the relationship Cannot sustain scrutiny yeah. Which is why like the, I mean the movie The sequel opens With her being broken up With him right Yeah Yeah, yeah of yeah. course Of course it does Yeah This relationship Is not gonna last No, no. Uh, The this, this fucking sandwich joke Yeah you yeah, seen the, Sandwiches big
1: <laughs> Ridiculous A lot of meat Yeah to a, Again a, a rando person That we never see Throughout the rest of the film Yeah the waitress Yeah this, I mean he's what Picked up a college co-ed At the beginning Yeah this guy's like 36 well when he finally Asks her out He's like you know Hey wanna go out to eat And he's like I'm not calling it a date We may or may not have sex At the end yeah. I was like What are you what? Do you like her or not shit Yeah come on I mean Well they're only together For like two weeks Before he breaks up with
2: her And runs off to Miami In the sequel
0: That's so funny Because
2: I think the sequel Picks up like two or three weeks After
0: Oh the movie Yeah Oh really
2: and wow. she has to go to the Poconos With him and he's like Freaks them out or whatever She's moving too fast for him Jeez. We know what kind of guy he is. Yeah,
1: this uh, What a sh- yeah.
0: All right. Well, yeah. Benjamin Brad. Um. Let's let's pivot to the other central male, Michael Caine. Yes. The, the Henry Michael Hig- Caine. Michael Caine. Michael Caine. The 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 Henry Higgins of the piece. She even says <laughs> she you'll get your Henry it? Higgins. Yeah. yeah. I yeah, mean, yeah. you got to right. You yeah. got you got a name check Pygmalion. Yeah. My, mm-hmm. my fair lady, or whatever name you want to call it by. Yeah. Uh, She's a- all that. Yeah, of course. The original <laughs> she's all that. Yeah. Um what do we think? I mean, that is sort of the the um Elizabeth Eliza Doolittle of uh, Gracie Hart is sort of one of the themes that goes hand in hand with the pageant like as a whole, right? Mm-hmm. As 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 goes the pageant being like the central location of the movie, so does her transformation. Like it, and it is, the makeover is again such a well-worn story trope at this point the uh the the woman who will not be tamed who has to uh be tamed uh because a guy said so uh, yeah. Yep. that's i'm checking my notes here and that is because a guy said so uh <laughs> in all of these stories uh so i you know does it does it do anything with that formula does it i mean it's it's funny that they name check of course, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Henry Higgins, Eliza Doolittle. I mean, it feels pretty
2: standard, you know. There's not a lot, I, I, I do think, you know, the thing with My Fair Lady and Pygmalion, I think there's a little more with Henry Higgins' mm. character, and I don't think Michael Caine's Victor, whatever, um, really has much. He's to, just I a, mean, joke he's a very machine. one to two dimensional character here, mm-hmm. uh, and I, you know, I, I does not isn't Henry Higgins kind of play the romantic foil too? Yes, I haven't seen My Fair Lady in a long time, yes. but that's what I was thinking, yeah.
1: Correct, yeah. I mean, I'm, trying, th- to think I'm it trying to, to yeah. remember, yeah. It was, it was, I was saw like yeah, there's, last another,
2: time I saw there's it. another guy,' but I yeah. think
0: Henry Higgins has become the love interest, yeah. yeah if I remember so,
2: right. you know, taking that out of it, I mean, I think it's interesting. You know, I was watching the sequel though, mm-hmm. and I, I think the much more interesting story is with her and Cheryl, yeah, you know, fall in love.
0: Oh my god, that's a better movie. That is a better movie, you know. What I mean, I yeah. was watching
2: the sequel, and there are a couple moments I'm like.
0: Oh, Cheryl comes back for the sequel? Yeah. She's, nice. yeah, Good. She gets
2: kidnapped, which is kind of the impetus. Her and Stan. Oh, her and man. William Shatner get kidnapped. Great. <laughs>
0: Great.
2: <laughs> By Nick Offerman.
0: <laughs> Nick Offerman's the bad guy in Armed and Fabulous? Yes. Wow.
2: He's an ex-male uh, dancer for a casino. Yeah. Uh, he was on a pirate, pirate show at one of the uh, casinos there.
0: Uh, former oh, former pirate dancer <laughs> Great casting Nick Offerman As former pirate dancer Wow Lights out Good oh, casting no. They didn't know What they had on their hands When they got him yeah. man Anyway Sorry um, I, I have no words But I, I, I think You know Taking that kind
2: of romantic Will they won't they mm-hmm, mm-hmm. From that From Henry the makeover Gaines, person yeah yeah, yeah yeah I think kind of Hinders What would make that The more interesting element Of this movie mm-hmm. So, I, again, I think it is a matter of just across-the-board mixed messaging. And we kind of already alluded to this. We're talking about two to three people had their hands on this script. Yeah. You know, yeah. A couple not even catching directors and producers who would have had say, mm-hmm. including probably Sandra as well. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that kind of naturally lends itself to this kind of disjointed presentation that never fully gels, at least thematically. Tonally, and that's, I mean, totally I think it's there. I think comedy works, but I think yeah, thematically, absolutely. narratively, you know, those kind of larger concepts, it, it does miss the mark quite a bit because it is kind of pulled in multiple different directions, maybe trying to have too many irons
1: in the fire at once. Definitely. <laughs> absolutely. Um, I do think this movie does anticipate you now you're kind of a queer after the straight guy. And that kind of stuff as well. That sort of reality TV, mm-hmm. you know, this the, idea—the gl-
0: the glow up reality the glow show. Up yeah. Reality
1: show, yep. you know, and I, I think hmm. there's, there's a way in which, uh, as, especially you know, Michael Caine has got the perspective, you know, oh girl, I can help you out, you know, the, the, hmm. there's, hmm. There, there's, you know, I'm, that's a different character, yeah. but that's the same kind of yeah, affectation.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, I I love how resistant he is to it at first. Actually, mm-hmm. I, that is a fun bit of the character. Is not, oh girl, let me help you. Is
1: get get far from me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <it's> like <laughs> yeah, you, you, yeah. You are too uncouth. Yeah, yeah. you know the for original. The L.
2: Yeah, the original queer. I ran in two thousand three. There you go. So really, is kind of at the apex mm-hmm. of that moment. That makes sense. So, but anyway, I was, I was
0: just thinking. No, about well cited because I mean that does become. I, but again we we've talked a lot about not a lot but we've talked about makeovers before on this show I, I mean a million years ago when we did the faculty that is sort of a big sticking point for dustin and a lot of a lot of people with that movie is it, it's got the breakfast club problem of giving somebody a makeover and making yeah. them be a normie for a, a boy um and that's you know it's it's just a trope that is well worn um and it is unfortunate that it is so well worn because mm-hmm. it is it is usually gross i mean there's there's
1: no two ways about it yeah yeah, I am troubled by it a lot.
0: Uh, there's kind of a fun moment where uh, uh, Gracie would rather pull a gun on what's <laughs> Michael Caine's character's name? Victor, 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 something or other. Vic. Yeah, she pulls a gun on Vic before talking about her feelings, which mm-hmm. is some real and wants to eat a donut stuck in a, stuck in a boys' club shit. Mm-hmm. Um, I just there's nothing really there. There's no there there. I mean, Gracie does eventually open up with uh, you know her fellow pageant <laughs> What's contesters.
2: Your stance on gun control <laughs> favorable. favorable. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's a good one. The the uh the bit of her like having thirteen different firearms on, stuffed up her dress. Yeah. Re- one really of the better funny. bits in the movie. Yeah. Yeah,
1: really good joke. I mean it was it's sort of a cop comedy standby that sure. joke is, oh, but yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, I love it though. The, the,
2: That's almost a very cartoon bit too. Yes. Like it feels like something out of an just animated like, it a out of Bugs Bunny face. Thing. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the the there's the, a Mary Poppins thing to her
0: dress where she's just got dress of infinite holding. Yeah. yeah it's really good. <laughs> yeah. Um so I, I does anybody know if they've stopped doing the swimsuit competition uh portion of pageants? I I tried to look this up. I feel I like know I've heard some there of them was have a doing
1: kerfuffle this. about that at some point, but I I feel am... like I've heard this too, but I
0: couldn't find I, I didn't look hard enough, but uh I I was curious if, if this has been done away with by pageants at, at any point. Uh I'm sure some of them still do it. I'm sure some of them might
1: not do. Now, you're it. you looking at Miss USA not Miss America, aren't you?
0: And they are different contingencies i believe yeah they're are yeah. like different promotions for <laughs> lack of a better way to put it uh you know it, different it, rules it's uh, yeah, yes it's, hey, it's coming up in june is it ah i'll tune in she's elegance and grace
1: she's miss this, this you know.
0: june um while well, arthur's uh doing some research for us on that um do, do we have anything to say we have already mentioned ernie hudson giving a classic badge and you give me your badge and your gun scene mm-hmm. um and it's sort of just, uh, I mean, it, it's stuff like that that makes you see why why A.O. Scott and, and Ebert were both kind of uh, mean to it. As far mm-hmm. Ebert was a little bit nicer, but why they were both sort of calling it formulaic, because it is deeply formulaic. Oh, it's 100%. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
2: I mean, I mean, back to you, I mean, it's classic four-quadrant four film. I mean, very much Save the Cat. Screenplay. I mean, mm-hmm. everything you'd. Ex- I mean, yeah, and I think <laughs> except <laughs> the
0: cat gets mad when he gets safe.
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, we've talked about this before, though. Specifically, I think about the Italian Job, mm-hmm. which was a very by the numbers heist film,
0: but just did it miserably.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I don't think there's anything wrong with being generic.
0: Sure, sure, you can be generic and be good. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah,
2: and I think that's what this lands. I mean, yeah, this it's, movie is yeah, generic numbers.
1: and it's, it's good. It is
2: one. I mean, this feels in a lot of ways like a forties or fifties comedy,
1: but it's got these gestures. I, I think what we're really frustrated with are those little gestures towards something a little bit deeper that mm. could have been a bit more yeah, uh, um, incisive, societally sort of um, yeah. diagnostic and it fails to give more than lip service to that kind yeah. of stuff. And I,
2: you know, I think something like it hot is a nice, Mm-hmm. Counterbalance to this, where because I think some like a hot does try to really offer insight into what it's like being a woman, yeah, it, even in 1955, yeah, um, right, it does try to, ha- it does, I think, land that depth uh, of theme of what it's trying to do, and I, I understand that frustration.
0: Mm-hmm. And you can see moments where, you know, we'll go ahead and I'm going to go ahead and give Sandy credit for this. You know, her her producer credit. I assume she had something resembling creative control in some aspect of this movie. So, you know, I, I kind of want to give her the credit for the, for the times it does make these gestures towards having something on its mind. But as, as Arthur's pointed out, between, you know, three screenwriters uh, attributed plus, you know, all the hands and that got in the kitchen. Getting it from the page to the screen, there's no telling like what got cut, what got smashed together. You know, what's just totally a, a mm. subplots that are just totally yeah. gone. So it, it is. It, I think it's stuff like that that makes it frustrating, where you can yeah. see where maybe there was a more interesting draft at some spot. Mm. Yeah. Um. They've been talking. I've. Uh, I've been. This has been coming up on blank check a lot lately. The the sort of the, the process that studios go through of you can never go back to a previous draft. They'll, they'll never just go, Well, here's here's Undo. an email. Un- yeah, here's an email <laughs> from six Z. weeks ago. Yeah. You just take that version. Yeah. But you know, you always have to go forward, keep moving. And yeah. this has got one of those this is one of those movies where you feel like well, it's been through, yeah, turn around and We've a Dug couple the times. hole. Here
2: we are. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, we, we've yeah.
0: cut that scene, it can never come back.
2: Yeah. yeah. Um all right. So Miss You a uh, Miss America website says Miss America has evolved in society as women in society have evolved. Mm. This past year, candidates were no longer judged on outward appearance. That meant the elimination of the swimsuit competition and additional time and focus on the candidates' voices to be heard more often.
0: Well, there you go. And that's Miss America, not Miss United States. Yeah. Okay. There There you go. And
1: I didn't know there was a difference. There's Miss USA. Miss United States is fake. That's what's made up for the. Movie. Yeah, I
0: mean that makes sense that they couldn't get a real pageant yeah. to put
1: their name on. Okay, this. no pageant would allow. Their yeah, trademark that licensing. But there You're is are gonna Miss make fun of my industry? industry. Yeah, In and yeah. this
2: economy. <laughs> um, I want to look at. Can I talk about? I want to. I'm interested by a few things here. Okay. Okay. Oh, did I close that? Let me pull up. So the first thing I was thinking about, um, was why did I just blank on that? All right. So the first thing I was thinking about and this is very minor, I don't even know if there's anything to say about this, was the idea of scope in comedy, maybe is the best way. So watching this, there's a very cinematic quality to it, the way it's shot, the way it's filmed, sets, locations, at all, right? Which feels very much of a bygone era, because I feel like now... I could watch any comedy on Netflix, any comedy on—I mean, I mean sitcoms. I won't mm. take it to the television level, uh, that the production level of television, especially even sitcoms and comedies has elevated to a near cinematic state.
0: I mean, you can thank community for that in a big way, right? Yeah. As far as the Rousseau brothers really try to flex muscles on that. Yeah. But I I think you're right. The, the, the 2010s and the single camera sitcom is like a huge game changer as far as the visual language of TV comedy.
2: And I wonder, I was just, I mean, just kind of just thought about this in fleet, but, if that has detracted from the draw of the cinematic comedy.
0: I think that there's maybe something there, right? Mm -hmm. I, you know, there's, uh, we already name checked game night, but like I, there's a reason I always go back to that when I start talking about studio comedies because so few of them look good, uh, which which, not to put too fine a point on it, not to be too, too rude about it, but some of them just, as Arthur said, this movie looks cinematic, but also doesn't look good. It doesn't look bad. It doesn't look compelling. Well, it looks '90s. Yeah, how that's how it fair. looks. Yeah, yeah no. everything is very competently lit in a way that's almost ugly. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense.
2: Yeah, but I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm looking more like it's not obviously on a sitcom set. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. I, 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 yeah, the, yeah. the sets feel real enough. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, and I think maybe the the competition has gotten stiffer because TV comedy has has. I mean, you know. Ted Lasso, for instance, one of the biggest comedies airing right now, it's looks good. very cinematic.
2: Yeah, it's a good example.
0: Thank you. Um, and I think you're right. I think that might pull something away from, let's say, Barb and Star, which we all love, uh, which d- does do, feel cinematic, right? Like, it's, Yeah. You know, it's yeah. got big production numbers. Yeah. Uh, on location shooting. On location yeah. shooting, exactly. And, and so it is, and again, Game Night has all these kind of interesting, like, make it look like a board game flourishes that I yeah. think are really cool. Um, really, again, using cinematic language to move the story along or to set up gags. So it's, it's interesting just trying to think about the last, you know, five to 10 years of studio comedies and like what looks interesting and what doesn't. And I, I think whether it looks interesting or looks flat, I think you're right that there is pressure from tv in some way especially things like the already referenced community to to elevate what you're doing right to elevate the direction of your comedy uh even something like uh, tag which is a recent like kind of whatever studio comedy that i happen to see have seen um there there's like chase scenes in that because it's about this big game of tag and they find a way to make it look visually interesting
2: yeah with the use of those uh action cams yeah, that are GoPros. mounted on them yeah gopros yeah,
0: yep. yeah. so I, I don't know i think you bring up a really good point though that i i think tvs put pressure on film comedies to look better because it got to be i think the apatow comedies were un- <laughs> no no disrespect but uh maybe a little uh we're bad for comedy as far as just like making comedies a little too long going a little too hard on letting adult, famous people yeah. riff yeah it's just like that's not always going to be the best thing for your movie yeah. And just kind of being a little stagnant as far as the staging and the blocking go.
2: I love that point. Um, because even this movie, I mean, it clocks probably an hour 45 before credits. Mm-hmm. That's a lot for a comedy. Mm-hmm, I, yeah. I mean, there are moments in this. I mean, I like the movie. I laugh a lot. But there are moments where I was just kind of drifting out because it's Same. just way too long. Yeah. Um, the sequels even longer, I think, by about 10 minutes. Oh, well. But I, I feel like, yeah, the Apatow thing of like, I do not need a two and a half hour Pete Davidson movie. I don't care no. how good it is. What the I've, story is, I'm not going to
0: watch the first half hour of it. Cried like four times. Still haven't gotten around to finishing the damn movie. Yeah. It's so
2: long. I haven't even started because that runtime scares. King of New York, King of Staten Island, Island, is what we're referring to here. Mm. Um, but even you know, knocked up is in there. Forty mm-hmm. year old virgins. I think over two hours and like
0: uh, this is forty. That movie is over. Two no hours. need. Yeah, by a lot.
2: There's some genre, I mean, it's very rare that I think any genre film needs to go over two hours. Yeah, but I mean, if, if you do pitch it as a sitcom or something you know sure um but i i think this element the visual element though i i feel like really continues to narrow the margin between what is a movie and what is tv
0: yeah mm-hmm. you know
2: watching something i just watched i told dalton joking. i mean i just watched true detective season one you know and, and this came up with you we were, we're we're spoiler alert, we're working on a Best movies of all time project, and Dustin got uh, Twin Peaks The, the Return. I about said The Revenge, right? <laughs> Which is often cited as a, a movie. Sure. As often as a TV show.
0: A so small really acts, feel like There was another one where there was like a big d- discussion of are these movies or are these TV yeah. shows? Is this a TV miniseries or are these five discrete movies? Yeah,
2: it, it really does feel like that line's continuing to be blurred about what is a movie and what is a. TV show. Absolutely. Right. And I think it's just a really interesting place. Uh, the other thing I was going to mention is so this movie comes out in 2000. It's 22 years later. Um, I'll say. And it still gets memed, still gets quoted. I mean, it, it is. I mean, you point to the, the two perfect th- date. Uh, yeah. Say so uh, it's April 29th? Yeah. yeah. 25th. 25th. Yeah, it was the other day. You just need the a light jacket. It's like Tuesday. The other day. Right? Um, but I guess uh, my, my question is I mean, we've, we've talked. I mean, this movie opens against. Wide release, six other movies when it comes out. Run them down, number third. It opened
0: number three. Yeah, it opened number
2: three on the twenty second of December.
0: Oh, big Christmas Uh, release!
2: It opened against wide release, Castaway, Mm. The Family Man.
0: Oh God, forget about The Family Man. Finding Forrester. Forget about that
2: one. Thirteen Days, and Dracula two
0: thousand. Ah, Dracula yeah. 2000. The art. Maybe we'll just get around to this entire box office weekend. No, I'm
2: assuming number two that weekend or number one that weekend was What Women Want mm. because it, it came out the holdover, 15th holdover from and earlier made in the month. a lot of money. It yeah. opened at 3,000 screens. Um, wow. I mean, Castaway that's a big was the highest grossing movie of the year. I think with 233 million. Mischief Geniality is at 106 million for the year. What, what Women Won't made $182 million. Uh,
0: I think that's nuts. Wow. Uh, I think uh, this movie ended up doing like 200, right? Yeah, 212 uh, internationally. But of these
2: movies, I, I think Castaway maybe, but Miss Congeniality is probably the most notable. It has to have like the as most cultural as, longevity. Yeah yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess what are those intangibles that you think that create those it's five to 10 time in a decade? Is it, is a star power? I think I
0: think I think Sandra has a huge. I think her her broad appeal as a performer has a lot to do with it. I think the fact that it's a movie about a woman marketed towards four quadrant audiences, but still is is underlined about a woman. Yep. I, I think that's got a lot to do with it because there's just especially in two thousand, that's just not. You know, uh, we, we're, we're slowly but surely reaching a point. This was also pointed out in the the video the take did about miscongeniality. Congeniality. We've reached, reached a point where like half of movies pass the Bechdel test. We've gotten better as far as Hollywood goes at, you know, uh, film representation, parody. It's not great, but it's better um, as far as other issues go. Um but I, I think this movie definitely helps move the needle on that. I think again, Sandra Bullock helps move the needle on that. I think her career as, as a whole has done a lot for, um, just screen parody. Um,
1: I think in addition, there's a less noble reason why, and it's not ignoble, but it's less noble Mm. insofar as I think this movie has going for it uh, the Monty Python factor or the Princess Bride factor. I think it's just so quotable. It is one of those films that... Got some good quotable bits. And and, and that's why it gets a life after its theatrical release in uh, home video... And also a major run on TBS or whatever, you know, where people see this movie a lot. And it becomes a movie that, again, it just, it enters into the lexicon. And so, you know, I can't hear you for the half-masticated cow rolling around in your open trap. I mean, which is a stupid, not even all that funny of a line. But we know that line because Mm -hmm. the the movie itself is written in such a way that it is full of these bits.
0: Well, and Michael Caine. Delivers
1: My, the shit out of it Yeah Correct mm-hmm. um, But I, I think I think it does have That sort of Holy grail Factor mm-hmm. to it In so far as It's just It's super super quotable And once you're on the end And you know it It is more pleasurable to. It, it is a movie that Rewards the rewatch Because you like To be able to know The lines Sure As sure. opposed to movies You don't care about the lines
2: There's a, a buy in and investment
1: yeah, yeah. there yeah, yeah. yeah Again it's not ignoble But it's not as noble Yeah sure uh, because I think
0: there there, there is uh, the noble answer, right? Is it again in a a desert of representation? Uh, a movie that's mm-hmm. kind of about female friendship uh, is is water. So you know, I think that that has I that think that's something. true too something to do with it again i think of you know mean girls is another contemporary uh, you know a female-centered comedy from mm-hmm. about five years later uh yeah. that also has had a lot of you know staying power in the culture as far as its its thumbprint goes and i, I think it's sort of again similarly about trying to understand people who are different than you and and trying to not Live in a world where women are pitted against each other, trying to to mm-hmm. do something about that world. Uh, I don't know. I, I, there's something there. You're absolutely right, though, Arthur. That's interesting. That of of all those movies that uh, it opened against, that this is definitely the one that's had the. I, I think without a doubt, the one that's had the real staying power. I mean, Castaway, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. When was the last time you heard somebody talk about Castaway? I don't know. I mean that that was a hit, and it you know it was a big prestige hit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't feel like it's got it's got much clout twenty years out though. Yeah, yeah. Here are
2: the top ten movies from that 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 year from the year two thousand. I think. Let me see. By yeah, is it by month by year? What are we doing here?
0: All right, this being a December release does make that kind of tricky, right? Because uh, like uh, I th- I always think of American Sniper, which was like one of the highest grossing movies of the year it came out, but only because of all the money it made the following year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sort of weird box office math when, when right. for those December releases. I'm trying to figure out... Oh, man. Never mind. I've, I've lost the timeline. That's all Didn't right. not matter.
1: Well, I tell you what, speaking of staying power, let's ask a question about staying power. <laughs> Ooh, Let us move on to... What a segue. ...shelf or trash. What shall we do with Miss Congeniality? I ask you first, Dalton.
0: Well, Dustin... I believe that what we need as a society is harsher punishment for bad movies. Uh, and, and that is why this parole violator has to be put in the trash. No, no disrespect to uh, the, the fantastic Sandra like Two weeks in a row I had to do it, though. Uh, I just don't. It's not good. It's just not that good. I'm sorry. She's been in funnier movies. I think The Heat, which I was kind of mixed on. I think I like her better in that. Um, at the very least I like her and Melissa McCarthy together. Mm. Um, and that, that does a lot for me. Um, I don't know. It's, there's just not enough here as, as funny as her tackling a cowboy is, uh, and and making a joke about it. he'll think twice before he lights up again. Pretty good, good bit, pretty good mm-hmm.
1: bit in a Bavarian dress, <laughs> no less. Yeah,
0: doing the water glasses. Like there are there are good bits in this movie. They are not strong enough to to make up for sort of its shortcomings. I would say yeah. fair enough, a fair light enough. Trashing for me. What
2: do you say, Arthur? Uh, I would agree. I think just very softly, very gently lay it on top of the trash. I mean, this movie is so easily accessible. Um, and you probably meet people who could quote the whole thing. So you wouldn't even need to watch it. But yeah,
1: I, I think this is a very, 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 very light trashing for me. Um, I think it, it absolutely deserves the life that it has gotten on streaming services and at home video, and so yes, I don't think it's worth owning. Like, I don't think you need to go buy this DVD combined with whatever else. I'm, right. I'm sure it's um, there are several box sets. Oh,
0: you could definitely get both of these movies for five bucks. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hmm.
1: No, that's an idea. But it, it is a uh, is a super streamable movie, and uh, it should be caught and should be watched. It, it should be on regular airplay on WGN. Or whatever WGS. Um, remember WGS? They're 2003? still around. They still run movies.
0: <laughs> it, it is a very weird pull. I agree. But <laughs> they're still around. But that's probably
1: where it was, man.
0: Didn't watch a Cubs game afterwards. Yeah, his his references are just gonna get older and older. <laughs> the, the longer we keep doing this show, we're just gonna hey, be in big trouble. This is two
1: thousand movie, man. You're right. All the right. very two
0: thousand reference. All
1: right. So I'm just being.
0: You're right, though. I get what you're saying. It's it's TV rotation, right. streaming rotation. This is where it, it lives
1: and, breaks. and 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 when you, when it comes on, watch it. But yeah, I wouldn't buy it. No. So there you go, dear listener. Those are our thoughts on uh, miscongeniality. What are your thoughts? Tell us how to share those thoughts with our dear listeners, Dalton.
0: I will certainly do that. If you want to send us some long form feedback on miscongeniality, you can go to goodtrashgenrecast at gmail dot com. Shoot us that email. Uh, let us let us see what you, your thoughts are about uh, Gracie Lou Freebush v uh, Gracie Hart. The transformation the synthesis of these two identities does sandra bullock transcend and become uh, a third more interesting person or does she go back to being gracie Hart? uh let us know good trash at gmail.com gracie
1: lou free yeah
0: that's right tell us tell us tell us what uh, you think uh you can also find us on twitter at good trash media uh that's where you can find links to the shows uh, as well as links to other articles and other podcasts that we find interesting or are you know made by people we like uh, anything else? Oh, patreon.com forward slash gtm is where you can go to help us keep the lights on. Uh, lots of fun bonus content for you there, including, uh, physical media. Uh, you know, if you want to put your, uh, f- tastes into the Arthurtron 9000, he will spit out a, uh, recommendation for you and it'll come to you on either DVD or Blu-ray, depending on how much money you give us. Uh, and, uh, let me, I'll tell you what, the Arthur algorithm, that's some good algorithm. Beep boop, beep boop. Miss Congeniality, armed and fabulous. It's look, it'll, you, it'll, this algorithm will get less messed up by putting on something for your kids. Is what I'm saying.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: your, your algorithm won't be totally fucked uh, if, if you give it to Arthur. Um. That's it. That's the only way you can stay in touch with us, I think. Yep, that's everything. Thanks. Well, it's now, I guess, time for Arthur to tell us what we're going to be discussing next week on The Summer of Sandy. Well, next
2: week, we're going to attempt to connect the dots and stay within the lines when we take a look at Murder by Numbers.
1: Murder by Numbers? I think... Who's the man in that one? I think his name is Ryan Gosling. Is the baby goose in this? Really? Is that the one with um, Michael... uh, What's his face? Who's... um... One of the uh, baddies in, um, oh, it's you Ben know. Chaplin, Ryan Gosling, Michael Pitt. Michael Pitt. That's who I was thinking wow. of. I have seen this, two thousand and two. Oh, I, you know what? I really remember liking this movie a lot. Directed by Barbette
0: Schrader? Never heard of him. Oh, it's the director of Single White Female. Okay,
1: all right. Yeah, this is a this is a pretty good little thriller. I think. I, friends. I, I
0: wow. Uh, oh, Michael Pitt and Gosling are both going to be like. Thirteen years old in this movie. They, yeah, they we're were... going to
1: look at a little bit of a
2: flaunt because uh, on a fifty million budget, it only made fifty six point seven million. Really, two years after Miss Congeniality, wow. is it the Meg Ryan syndrome? We'll find out were
0: next they, week. Were they not ready for for uh, noir Sandy? Yeah, we're going to find
1: out. All right. Well, there you go, dear listener. You keep watching. We'll keep talking. We'll see you all next time.